I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk, where we take a unique view of world events. We report news as history. With me today is the editor of StrategyPage.com and well-known military author, Jim Dunnigan. Associate editor and syndicated columnist, Austin Bay, also joins us. The following Strategy Talk was recorded the morning of April 6th, prior to the Tomahawk airstrike on the Syrian airbase. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Syria has, you know, weapons of mass destruction again. It, Jim, it looks like uh, the red line has once again been crossed. Uh, yes, indeed. It seems that the uh, Syrians may not have uh, adhered to the uh, terms of the uh, 2013 agreement, which Russia, you know, proposed and was the co-guarantor. The U- U.S. and Russia both said we will monitor this and we will enforce it if need be. And now Russia is saying, oh, no, 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 it's the rebels. It's it's a conspiracy theory. So this could get interesting. Talk about, talk about fake news. Um the problem with uh, with Syria was and their chemical war- weapons was that, as we pointed out in, in 2013, uh, them giving up all their chemical weapons was no big deal because a they a lot of them were, as it turned out, and this we pointed this out early on, and it turned out to be true when they when they finally got them to destroy them, they got to look at the condition they were in. Uh, this was pretty you know ancient stuff, a lot of it. And uh, we were doing Syria a favor, in effect, by disposing of their, uh, their, their, uh, you know, uh, out of date, as it were, or past their use date, uh, chemical weapons. And of course, we explained in several articles there, you know, why, you know, the weapons that Syria uses uh, don't have a long shelf life, and that uh, it would be no big deal for them once if they won the war, which at that point didn't seem likely, but. That's changed. Uh, uh, they could easily reconstitute that because the, uh, you know, the, the the technical knowledge is 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 easily come by. Obviously, they already have it, carry it around on a thumb drive, and the machinery for producing this stuff is dual use. You know, you, you say, hey, we want to set up a pesticide plant. Well, that can be easily converted to a, a sarin, you know, nerve gas plant. It's even easier for you know, uh, mustard gas and, and you know, the, the lesser, as it were, evils among chemical weapons. Uh, but it, 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 ever since then, uh, since I think 2015, this became a big issue. Uh, there were about, oh, there were several, I, 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 uh, you know, a, uh, how should I put it, several a week uh, uh, gas attacks, which were definitely gas attacks uh, in Syria. And actually, there were, there were about the same number in Iraq, and of course we said, well, this is probably ISIL, because they were diligently trying to uh, make, you know, crude chemical weapons. Uh, but you know, all anybody could affirm, and the UN sent in, you know, monitoring teams to double check the, uh, you know, the the evidence, and uh, and you can basically tell a lot from the evidence, you know, from the victims or just from the the, the soil where the attack was made. Uh, all the chemical weapons leave a signature, which is unique. Uh, this wasn't always possible decades ago, but now it is. Uh, and you can basically tell, you know, what batch it was from. You know, is, is it the same group that, uh, for example, was it the same as the stuff that we destroyed that Syria handed over? Was it similar? 
Um, uh, and so what we're waiting for now is the analysis of this latest attack uh, to see, A, if this was newly uh, manufactured, uh, whether it is indeed uh, related to uh, you know, cousins of or identical to some of the stuff that uh, Syria uh, surrendered uh, to be destroyed uh, and or possibly it belongs to Iran. Somebody else, as it were. I shouldn't say Iran because we don't. Th- I don't think we have samples of, of their current, you know, stocks. Uh, so you know, there are still a few clues to be gathered, but it seems incontrovertible. You know, uh, I think several doctors on the on the spot and and, and some analysis has been done. It was uh, it was definitely nerve gas, uh, or, uh, you know, ninety nine percent nerve gas, um, and uh, the question is. Where did it come from? Who delivered it? Now, the only people who were delivering, you know, uh, uh, bombs, as it were, at that point, uh, was Syrian warplanes. Uh, so it's kind of hard to blame it on the uh, uh, the rebels, which is what the Russians are doing. Now, it's not unknown. Again, we've reported this over the years. It's happened in other theaters where the uh, the, the rebels would basically shell their own people, uh, not with chemical weapons, but you know, simply to put the blame onto the other side. This happened uh, famously or infamously uh, in the Balkans during the 90s, but it's, it's happened before. Uh, uh, that's kind of far-fetched, uh, but anything's possible in a situation like this. At this point, you know, it seems, why would the, uh, the, the Assad's, you know, use nerve gas now? Uh, they're winning. Uh, but you know who knows what goes on, you know, in the in in the the minds of the the Assad clan. Uh, they were up against the wall a year ago. Now they can see the daylight, uh, and they're really capable of anything. I mean, these are the people who is his father, the senior Assad. Uh, he uh, he uh, Hama he back in what was it the eighties? No, nineteen eighty two, Jim. Eighty two, right, right. Yeah. He just wiped out a whole town. You know, bomb it, you know, take it out. That'll take care of the rebels. Uh, you know, as the Romans used to say, you know, create a desert and call it peace. Um, but, you know, the Assad's must be feeling pretty good right now because they basically came back from the dead or the near dead. Uh, but it's such a confused situation. As Again, as we point out in our report, we have to be a piece of an update on Syria coming out tomorrow. Um, you've got the Russians and the Turks and the Iranians all across purposes. Of course, the Israelis are involved. The Russians don't ignore them. The Iranians want to destroy them. Uh, and of course, in the midst of all this, you still have ISIL, which is still, you know, in their, in their, you know, making their last stand. You know, I'm hoping it's Berlin 1945. Uh, you know, uh, not something else. Uh, and again, we've reported extensively uh, about that from all over the, you know, the Middle East, as it were, where ISIL is. Uh, ISIL apparently did tell their people in uh, Libya to evacuate those who could and go back to your homes and your home countries and, uh, you know, start up, try and start up operations there. Uh, That is bothering the Russians who apparently had an attack by, from the sound of his name, they called him an ethnic Russian, but he he was probably, uh, you know, a Chechen. And that's a that's a long story, which again we've explained. The Chechens and the Russians don't like each other, and that goes back centuries. Um, and uh, and and the Chechens are basically dispersed all over Russia, 
during World War II. Many of them came back after World War II uh, to Chechnya. Um, and, but anyway, I mean, the Chechens are are very, very into, you know, killing Russians any way they can. So, you know, I don't know if this guy who, and apparently they caught, they got him on camera, as it were, before he pressed the button. Uh, I don't know yet if he, he was radicalized by ISIL or he just simply has the traditional, you know, uh, uh, wish to kill Russians. The, um, uh, they are apparently, some of them are showing up in, in Europe, but the reports I'm getting indicate that most, now this makes sense, most of the ones the, the in police intelligence services know about are coming back demoralized. And that's fairly common. A, a certain large percentage of these returned, you know, uh, jihadis, they've had it. And, and they, most of them mean it. Uh, but it's the stealth ones, the ones who sort of sneak back in and change their names or whatever. They're the ones everybody's looking for because they're the ones who are obviously not coming back, you know, to, uh, you know, just to, uh, you know, to, to contemplate the, uh, the fate of their, their organization. Uh, they're about to kill. And they are finding incidents of that. Uh, in the meantime, I, the, uh, the, the Assads are, a, are problematic for many people because they owe a big debt to uh, Iran, which wants to collect. And basically, Iran wants to install another Hezbollah uh, composed of, uh, of Syrian recruits uh, in Syria. And, and basically stockpile the, uh, the border area opposite the Golan Heights with thousands and thousands of rockets, uh, which uh, they can then, you know, threaten or actually use against Israel. The problem with a Hezbollah in Syria is that Syria has long been manufacturing under license, so to speak, um, uh, long range uh, ballistic missiles. Uh, well, not scuds, but I mean solid fuel uh, uh, ballistic missiles. Again, we've described some of those, um, and uh, most of those were destroyed, or well, basically destroyed during the uh, since uh, 2011. Uh, but they can be easily built because again, the Syrians have the tech, uh, and the Iranians are more than happy to provide the money. In fact, we reported recently that the uh, the uh, the Iranians have given up. At, uh, with trying to, you know, fly these ballistic missiles in uh, uh, to uh, Syria and then ship them, uh, truck them across the border into uh, Lebanon because the Israelis seem to be, you know, uh, doing airstrikes and, and blowing all or most of them up. Uh, so they apparently the, the plan now is they're, they're financing the uh, establishment of manufacturing plants uh, in uh, Lebanon which would manufacture these missiles. Now, they do it in a very stealthy way. Lebanon is a divided country in many ways, uh, and uh, the, it's, it's difficult to do something like this in, in uh, you know, to set those factories that they had in uh, Syria uh, in, in, uh, in, in uh, Lebanon. But the Israelis feel that they'll get away with it because the, the Iranians are clever. They'll basically have uh, multiple plants producing, you know, consumer goods at, during the day, and then there'll be a, a, a brief night shift where they'll produce some components for a ballistic missile. Uh, and so they, they could not sh not shift all of the production into uh, into uh, Lebanon, but a lot of it. 
so that uh, very little, very few of the components would have to be snuck in, you know, from Syria. But the fact of the matter is, the Israelis would not just have to worry about a an Iranian, you know, radicalized and, and heavily armed uh, southern Lebanon, but the same thing on their uh, on their Syrian border. Uh, so the Israelis have made it clear, and the Russians apparently, you know, openly agreed to this point of view that Iran has to clear out when it's all over, uh, and no stay behinds other than the fact that you know the uh, the Iranians will still be pulling the strings in uh, in Syria as they have been since the 1980s when the uh, when the Assad family decided to uh, pledge allegiance to uh, Iran. Uh, as, a, as a way of defending itself against a increasingly hostile Iraq. Um, so there we go. You know, uh, they're using nerf gas. It just goes to show you that if they have indeed done it, that uh, logic doesn't apply to these people. Well, it never really did, you know, in the Middle East. Um, and uh, maybe that's why he did it. Who the hell knows? Uh, sometimes they do things simply because, you know, uh, it's an opportunity to miss an opportunity, and they, they take it. So... At the middle, welcome to the Middle East. Austin, what would you like to add? Well, look, there are indications because I, I, you can you can find this on a couple of you know, of uh, not couple. I, there's on more than two uh, uh, websites, but uh, some of the scattered reports of a uh, use of nerve agents um, February and March uh, of this year. Uh, I'm aware of at least two alleged uh, attacks using some quote-unquote type of nerve agent, which is what sarin is. GB is what it's called. There's even a uh, a, a, a <coughs> cheaper quote-unquote version uh, called GA uh, Tabon, which was a precursor in the development of, of uh, improved uh, nerve, nerve agents. Syria was suspected. Um, this is—I have no idea whether they—they they actually had it of having access to another nerve agent called uh, Soman. GD was is, was the uh, <coughs> symbol uh, uh, symbol for it, or Somain it's sometimes called, but uh, S O M A N. I remember uh, reading that when I was on active duty. Uh, in the 1970s, and it was after the uh, 1973 Arab-Israeli uh, Israeli war, and there was a so that they've a long history of maybe kind of sort of having uh, nerve weapons. VX, uh, that's the uh, persistent nerve agent. VX is, uh, according to the Malaysians. And South Koreans, that is what uh, was sprayed a few droplets in the face of Kim Jong-nam. Uh, Kim Jong-un's uh, older uh, half-brother was assassinated in uh, Malaysia in February. I, I'm bringing that up because it's, it's a persistent form. And what is suspected being used, I don't think it's, it's suspected, uh, Dan. Uh, I don't think Jim does either because he went into about how it's, it, it, it easy, easier it is now to get soil samples and the like, but in, 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 in this case, you've got all the symptoms these people had uh, from a variety of, of medical aid organizations, not all of them associated uh, with, the, with the rebel, 
that were there in Idlib or the Idlib uh, area, and you've got tissue samples. And the other thing is, is that you, when you, you're timing this out, um, that airstrike occurred in the morning hours of Sir, uh, Syrian time. So, but by noon East Coast time, which would have been, I'm just, I'm doing this off the top of my head, maybe 12, 13, 14 hours uh, after the uh, after the attack, the U.S. State Department put out a a, 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 a statement saying it was nerve agent. Well, you've got time there for, for uh, tissue samples, uh, analysis. Uh, I mean, as, as Jim w- would say, who knows? And yes, I'm speculating, but <laughs> having uh, U.S. sources or uh, NATO sources picking up uh, samples and having it uh, having it confirmed because a c- confirmation can be done with a kit that uh, it because. Uh, Hey, they're they're not they're not that uh, uh, compl- uh, complicated a kit that is the size of a small first aid kit. Uh, there maybe uh, there are even simpler, <coughs> smaller, uh, more compact ways of doing it. But that kit is one with that's like a, a chemical test kit. You, you there are other ways to, to 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 confirm it as well. So I think it's very it's it's a. 99.999, take the nine out. There's always, as Jim says, a possibility of something else, but the nerve agent was used. There's also, and I wrote up my uh, creator syndicate column on this uh, this, uh, this week, because obviously the biggest story of the week, even with North Korea firing another missile, uh, that's the biggest international defense, defense story. Uh, there were a lot of witnesses to the airstrike, and some of them, uh, they're, what they're doing is describing a bomb that is carrying uh, the kind of submunitions that are used to drop uh, a, a nerve, an aerosol, because it's not, look, GB sarin really is on a gas. It's distributed as a mist, as, a, as an aerosol. Uh, after... Uh, when the jets flew over, and they were identified as SU-22 fitters. Now, Jim's written a few things about SU-22 fitters. They really are obsolete as far as the Russians are concerned, but Syria has a a bunch of them. And the rebels rebels don't. Of course they don't. (laughs) Uh, Who flies them uh, over there? I, I, I don't even think the Iraqis have any in their uh, uh, in inventory anymore because the Iraqis are now flying F-16s and uh, they, they got, you know, what wasn't destroyed, they got rid of. They didn't, the, 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 I'm getting back, not trying to get off on a tangent about this, but they, after the, you know, the fall of Saddam and the like of the Iraqi Air Forces and they're saying, hey, look, we don't want to fly this Russian junk anymore. Maybe the Iranians have some, but they didn't conduct the, conduct the strike. And the Russians, since they were identified as SU-22s, are going to get a uh, – they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They were Russian-made uh, type, you know, Sukhois. But uh, that's where it came from. And, uh, and if you, you – you, you even discussed this before with other incidents involving uh, uh, airstrikes. Somewhere, especially since it's Turkey's due north of, uh, of this, and it's just loaded 
with NATO, uh, electronic uh, surveillance, uh, intelligent aircraft monitoring the uh, uh, monitor, monitoring the airspace. There's Cyprus uh, uh, west of there, and those two British sovereign base areas are just <laughs> packed with with uh, elect- electronics. Somebody's go back and find where those aircraft came from. May they may have been flying very uh, low profiles, quote unquote, below radar, but there's also look down the capabilities, and we'll be able to identify the base that they use. That can take more time. Uh, but Jim Jim and I, Jim and you, you, there was a strategy talk we did three or four years ago about where we, we, we both uh, went into this. In other words, there are ways to walk back the cat, as a, uh, the spy guys say when they're looking at, at what happened in an intelligence incident. Well, the same thing for this, for this airstrike. But again, it just that's they've been using it. I'm talking about chemical weapons since uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. It was August 2013. I think it was August 21st, where the uh, East Gouda attack, Eastern Gouda, which was a uh, Damascus suburb that got hit by the uh, uh, barrage rockets carrying. Was uh, uh, decided that it was sarin uh, as as well nerve agent. That uh, struck and, and killed, well, as initially 300 to 400 dead. And one of the uh, sources on that was Doctors Without Borders, uh, because they were seeing all the casualties coming into uh, a uh, clinic they had uh, in the area. And then the next report was eight to 900 dead. And then it's now generally believed that 1,200 were killed. But and that's what I put in my column this week. But Dan, I've seen figures of fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred. Um, those might be a little. You're adding another third to the uh, well, quarter twenty-five to to thirty percent to the to the twelve hundred. It's because there were people who were suffered exposure and then died. Uh, and in the reporting, because it's chaos, there's a war going on, and it's tough to get. Uh, accurate, accurate casualty figures. But that was quick. It was a very quick kill, mass kill, and it was supposed to incite terror. Now, Jim says we're in the world of where all sides never miss an opportunity in the, in, in the Middle East, miss an opportunity, miss an opportunity. But the Assad regime, Jim brought up uh, Hama in, uh, in 1982, Oh, by the way, we still don't know how many people oh, the uh, Hafez al-Assad uh, killed in 1982. 10,000 is the minimum. You'll see 20,000. There are mass graves in the area. And uh, there was a uprising that all involved the Syrian Muslim Brotherhood that he, that he struck, back, struck back at. But that wasn't all he, he got. Uh, there were apparently uh, in that. Go back and, and look at it. I think there was a, a, a cadre within the Air Force, too, including some Air Force cadets that were a threat to him, and they were they were uh, in the in, in that area. Uh, so it was the Assad regime uh, acting to protect itself. Also, since it involved the Muslim Brotherhood, that's a Sunni organization, and the Assads are Alawites. Don't get me and Jim going on the Alawites. You can go look at this on a quick and dirty guide to war, but they are. 
They're classified as Shiites. They really are a, uh, how to describe it, a mixed bag, syncretic, isn't that the word, you know, with uh, several religious overlays. And there's, uh, I recall reading in the late uh, 70s, uh, a study of uh, of their religion that said they've got some similarities to, to uh, uh, Canaan, uh, Canaanite, uh, Levantine um, uh, religions, as in the, the uh, Baal worshippers that you run into in the uh, uh, o- o- Old Testament. And the lady who had done the, the study on this was uh, very uh, well uh, informed on uh, on uh, Levantine uh, Levantine pagan uh, uh, paganism. So. You've got a there's a religious angle to this, and a tribal angle when you look at the Assad clan and its uh, and its religion and that their response to uh, Sunnis uh, in in, uh, in in particular, and then of course Christians and and, and Jews as well. There's uh, that, that religious dimension. How, as being as small as they are, do they maintain power? They control the security agencies, and they utilize terror, which brings us back to why use uh, chemical weapons. It's also that makes a statement that uh, we're even when we're winning, we're willing to do whatever it takes. It is to me, it's appallingly stupid, just as I'm using words that Jim didn't use, but that's what he was getting at, why do this? You don't need to do this. you got the Russians back on you and the Iranians, and it appears you're going to survive. You even had the Americans saying uh, something that was, a diff- that was different, which is the, the Trump administration didn't say they supported the Assads. That's uh, a misreading and uh, <laughs> distortion. distortion. They just said the removal of the regime was no longer America's first priority. You go back and read what the State Department has, has put out on that. The first priority is ending the war, ending the chaos, and then beginning and stabilizing, initially stabilizing. It. Then the U.S. has no investment in the Assads, and given the uh, its uh, support for uh, Israel, and also NATO. NATO has no investment in the Assads, uh, Turkey as well. They're not supporting them. But that statement was made. So what? Makes no mis- There's That's where Jim gets into the being boggled uh, as well by the, their uh, blatant use of it. But let's those possible attacks using nerve agent in uh, February and March. And now they've gotten away with it. There's another suggestion that they have gotten away uh, away with it. We there are numerous examples, and I think these are supported by follow-up study of using the so-called chlorine bombs, uh, where essentially uh, powdered forms of chlorine are put in barrel bombs, and those are dropped. And that's kind of a primitive, uh, uh, prim- primitive but uh, effective chemical weapon. Remember the first major chemical uh, uh, chemical attack in World War uh, One was uh, uh, the Germans opened uh, chlorine gas canisters and let the cloud 
uh, flow, uh, 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 the wind move, uh, move the cloud over allied lines. Uh, and they uh, killed and wounded several thousand instantaneously. They weren't prepared to follow up the uh, follow up the attack. It was an experiment in what was it, April of 1915? I think is when that that uh, they first experimented with it. So chlorine's had uh, battle battlefield effects. <laughs> we know that 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 happened. But what they've been using in, in Syria is just utterly uh, utterly makeshift. But there's evidence of doing it, and those are chemical attacks. Now, it comes back to the deal, too, after the Syrians were caught in August of 2013, and President Obama had said, despite the way he tries to walk it back, that it was use of chemical weapons, weapons of mass destruction against civilians. And you look at his statement, he's talking about the Assad government. He's delivering a threat. That's in 2012 that he the, that he does, and he says, constitutes a red line. And that fit right in with the... R2P, res responsibility to protect, that uh, Obama himself uh, used as a criticizing the Bush administration about Darfur, uh, and that Samantha Power, who was, ended up being the uh, uh, UN ambassador in the Obama administration, she made her academic bones on that. When you can protect innocent civilians, it's wrong, morally wrong, not to not to use a, a power, American power. We just can't act when it's supposedly in our national interest. It's in the interest of humanity. And the red line, as as Obama promulgated, it fit right in with that uh, with that <laughs> policy, as uh, uh, as that had a major part of uh, the uh, Democratic Party's uh, criticism of uh, the uh, administration and foreign policy of George W. Bush. He didn't do it. And here's the American president who has delivered a threat, and he didn't follow up on it. So he went through a diplomatic rigmarole with Russia, and Russia says, we'll get them out. Jim's already covered about how that, that was. We'll get the weapons out. We'll take control of them. You don't have to launch an airstrike. Part of that, too, if you look back at the history of this, uh, maybe a month before the, the, that Syrian strike, uh, the head of the Joint Chiefs, General Dempsey, had briefed Congress on what he saw were options uh, in for military, using military force, American military force in Syria. He basically said none of them are good. All right, let's start with that. Absolutely none of them are good. But his, uh, I think it was option two was a series of, you know, punitive airstrikes, possibly, but what do you do? What's the context? So it was left hanging. Uh, okay, none of them were, go were good options. And Obama came up with this diplomatic, uh, the, as Jim said, the Russians offered, but there were contacts made between the U.S. and, and, and Russia on it. And the Russians were going to take control of serious nu of chemical weapons, uh, uh, take them out of the country and destroy them. Obviously, it didn't happen. It didn't happen, and there have been all these other reports since uh, 2014, definitely 2015, uh, on of these scattered reports of of uh, use of chemical weapons, most likely used by the Syrian by uh, pro-Assad forces. Let's put it that way, not just the quote-unquote Syrian government, but pro-Assad forces. As Jim also said, Islamic State may have used it. There's indications that it has as well. 
And uh, there's one other radical uh, 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 terrorist, several terrorist groups. But remember al-Nusra, which has kind of mal-morphed into an al-Qaeda, uh, uh, outright al-Qaeda affiliate. And I forget what its current name is. Still sometimes referred to as al-Nusra. Uh, which is uh, tends to be up in a, the northeastern kind of Kurdish corner. It's a, a Al Qaeda affiliate. They may have. It's possible. They, as Jim said, some of these uh, chemical agents are are fairly quickly and easily made. If you, and particularly the nerve agents, if you have access to uh, facilities to uh, make uh, insect to make pesticides. But this is uh, why this particular strike this week is so big is that it's the Syrian government. It's outright. It's blatant. And it definitely shows that the uh, diplomatic solution to serious chemical weapons uh, didn't work. Uh, and uh, there's now what's emerged is a huge divide. It was always there, but it can't be denied now between U.S. and Russian policies. And Syria, I'll shut up now, but it's, see, there's a lot to this. Jim, one of the things that's happened since uh, the red line was drawn is that the, the Russians are heavily involved now, and that makes it much more difficult to do anything against the Assad regime, right? Well, yes, and what you have going on there is Russia is caught between Israel, Turkey, and Iran. Uh, all three of them, you know, have a, 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 a keen interest in what goes on in Syria. Uh, Iran, because they've been basically, you know, bankrolling Syria since the 1980s, uh, and uh, giving them all kinds of support. And, uh, the Turks, because of the, uh, the Kurds, which is a whole other mess. Um, and then, of course, the Israelis, because Iran is very loud and, and constant for or three decades about wanting to destroy Israel. Um, and Russia has to decide, you know, who am I going to dance with here? Uh, apparently, a lot of Russian officials uh, side with Israel because Israel is the most powerful military power in that part of the world. Uh, there are a uh, it is not a Muslim country, so to speak, Uh a large uh, minority in, uh, in in Israel are uh, are descendants of uh, uh, Russian Jews who were allowed to leave in the 1980s before the Cold War ended. Uh, and and this while these while these Russian Jews are not you know pro Russia in a big way, they're nostalgic. You know, even the kids uh, and what have you, uh, they feel you know they they're inclined as it were. To back any move to uh, have a uh, good relationship, you know, with Russia. Uh, again, Russia is fighting Islamic terrorism. Uh, Russia is an his- historic enemy of Iran and Turkey. You can see how complicated it gets there. Now, the only thing they everybody allegedly has in common is destroying ISIL, which is that now down to you know basically uh, large chunks of the Euphrates River Valley, mainly Raqqa. Uh, largest city in, in eastern uh, Syria, uh, but you know there everybody's at cross purposes about you know how to how to basically uh, finish taking down uh, ISIL. Uh, Russia and uh, and uh, the Assad's may pay lip service to wanting to do this, 
but they're basically uh, devoting most of their resources uh, against to fighting the non-ISIL rebels or you know the rebels in general uh, and and regaining terrain that uh, the Assads had lost since uh, 2011. Uh, so you can see there are several different wars going on simultaneously in Syria, and it's hard to predict how it's all going to end because there are so many people who could easily and have already switched sides. You know, for for very good historical or pragmatic current you know pragmatic reasons. Um, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a game a layer upon a game a layer upon a game. It's hard to tell you know who's doing what to whom and for what reason. Uh, but all we know now is that Austin points out chemical weapons were definitely used. They were suspected of being used, you know, a couple of times earlier, um, and uh, this is most. This is this is definitely going to put Russia on the spot because they've been trying to play it so that they would basically maintain uh, decent relations with everybody. You know, when this was all over, the Assads would be in power, uh, the ISIL, the, the more extreme Islamic terrorists would be, you know, crushed as it were. Um, and they would come out of this with, with better relations with Turkey and Iran. Of course, the, the another possibility is none of this is going to happen. Everybody's going to come out worse off than they went in. And that's that's where it's been going for a long time. I mean, Syria is certainly a lot worse off. Uh, they, their GDP is about, you know, I think it's now less than half of what it was before uh, 2011. Uh, millions of their citizens are now outside the country and not likely to come back. Uh, and, and Iran, of course, is, is more powerful than ever, uh, you know, in, in Syria. They have more people, boots on the ground, as it were. Um, and, uh, you know, where's the progress? Uh, you know, we're basically, basically measuring progress and how little we're going in reverse. Uh, are we going in reverse at high speed or at slower speed? Uh, there's no winner in this scenario. It's just a question of how much are you going to lose. Um, and that's what basically everybody is, is sitting around trying to figure out. And if the United States gets more involved against the, uh, uh, you know, the Assads, it means the rebels are again going to win. And Russia's going to give you an example. Uh, and the Russians are going to, you know, have conditions now when, when, when the, the previous American government, the Obama government, they were inclined to, at all costs, stay out of uh, getting involved in the fighting in Syria, even though we initially uh, supported the rebels. Um, we still, you know, we always, you know, uh, you know, in, on paper anyway, supported the rebels. Uh, but, you know, now you got Trump in there and uh, he's talking about actually, you know, supporting the rebels. Wouldn't that be novel? Um, but, you know, again, anything you do in the Middle East, we saw what happened in Libya. No good deed goes unpunished. Indeed, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problematic. It's just how bad will you be punished for doing whatever good deed you thought you were doing there? I mean, we went into Libya and overthrew, you know, uh, one uh, you know, a homicidal uh, dictator who was threatening to uh, to uh, murder his own people on a large scale, um, and we've got we still got a civil war going on in there, which may go on for years. Uh, Syria was always a similar situation waiting to happen, uh, even when we we stood back as it were, hands off. Um, 
the uh, the, the slaughter went on anyway. You know, the, the deaths are, are approaching half a million, um, and uh, and of course, a lot of people in the in the in the Islamic world blame the United States. Now, how we're responsible? Eh, you got to look there to understand it. But they blame us for creating ISIL. They blame us for creating you know Al Qaeda. Uh, you know, anything goes bad, blame the West, blame the Christians. Obviously, they've, been, they've got an influence for 1,300 years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That mindset may sound absurd to a Westerner, but it's what people think and it's what they believe. And I've had educated, you know, uh, Arabs from, from, you know, from Arabia, from Saudi Arabia, the Gulf states, sit down, you know, at a business, you know, over, over lunch or whatever. And tell me this is you know, either they, they believe that, you know, a lot of this stuff. I don't know how you guys do it, but you manage to, you know, create ISIL. But others, admit, you know, that look, you know, <laughs> you come over here and you realize that it's fantasy land back there. But you go back home and you realize you can get killed if you if you say what I'm saying here. Uh, and you got to got to agree with the guy because that's basically what it is. Uh, and so how do you deal with a place like that? Well, the Turks who ruled the area, most of the Middle East for about four or five hundred years, they came away with a saying, don't involve yourself with the affairs of the Arabs. Uh, now, the, the current government, the Islamic government, the Erdogan government, since you know, almost ten, year, over ten years now, um, he's trying to re-engage with the Arabs. But a lot of Turks are saying, look, what have we learned over hundreds of years of experience? Don't get involved. And what are you doing, dummy? You're getting involved. I mean, when they call him, you know, the caliph, uh, they're not just talking about, you know, the old Ottoman, you know, uh, empire and, it, and its caliph, some of whom were quite capable. A lot of them were clueless and, and, uh, and self-defeating. But he's talking about, you know, the, the wisdom. The one thing the caliphs learned was, uh, you know, you don't really want to get involved. Uh, and what the Turks ended up doing, for the most part, was they put the most trustworthy, reliable minority in charge of a lot of their places and said, look, as long as you keep things quiet and uh, don't cost us any money, you can do whatever the hell you want. Things get out of hand and we got to send Turks down there. We're going to kill everyone in sight. And they've done they did that a few times. But, you know, even in the face of that, you know, a lot of Turks after World War II, World War One, when Ataturk came in, I mean, the, the young Turks, I mean, Austin wrote a book about this. Uh, they had a lot of support before World War One, when they when the caliph was still in charge, and a lot of it had to do was the expense and the headaches of supporting this empire in the Middle East. So when 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 basically uh, Ataturk says, "All right, we've all been saying this. Our grandfathers were saying it. Let's do it." And while we're at it, you know, let's get rid of all this this uh, this. Let's separate church and state. And uh, and that worked out pretty well for the Turks until recently when, you know, the uh, uh, Erdogan and his crew uh, came in and are basically trying to put that aspect of it back together again. But a lot of Turks remember. I mean, they have people have long memories back there. And uh, that may and Erdogan has to worry about that. So he creates coups. Uh, he creates crises with the Kurds or aids and abets, as it were, makes more out of it than it actually is. Uh, he's basically in the same situation as Putin, where he's got to create an external, you know, threat in order to distract, uh, you know, his people from wanting to remove him from power. So, you know, it's the same old story. It's nothing new, but unfortunately, that's happening with an ally that we've had for a long time who can basically rely on. 
uh, who is now, you know, falling apart. Uh, Russians felt the same way about Syria, but, you know, again, they need external adventures, as it were, to, uh, be, to you know, basically uh, uh, get people to not pay attention to the disaster at home. So, you know, what goes around comes around. Uh, history does indeed repeat itself. Well, well, one, hey, okay, Jim, they, they, uh, Erdogan, they refer to him as Sultan Erdogan, but it makes no difference. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. No, but that's, it, it makes no difference. Everything you said is about it is very, very accurate. But that in the, in the uh, Turkish press, and you'll see this in the uh, European press as well, too, they're calling, uh, Sultan Rajip, you know, because this because he was seen by his by his uh, fir, uh, uh, first name, but that's the effects of the policy outreach. Well, well, no, I, I, should, I, should, I, should have, I should have clarified that. Yeah. Uh, some people are calling him Caliph, you know, uh, because one of the things that the Ataturk got rid of was the, the no, he got rid being, of yeah. being the Caliph of the uh, you know the the, uh, the head of the Caliphate. That was the last. You know, official as it were, you know, and never controlled all of Islam. He dumped the salt. He dumped the Sultan, and there was a a titular caliph, and then he got rid of that in nineteen twenty four. Yeah, and they Uh, Erdogan is coming back to try and bring back all the stuff that brought the Turks nothing but bankruptcy and headaches. So what's new? Not that just you know on strategy page, we know when when we sit here, Jim and I are just doing this off off the top of our head, but we, we. well, we're historians, and we want to get it right. That's all. So I understand. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're out of time, so we'll leave it there, and uh, we'll talk to you gentlemen next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Until then. Bye.